Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths, or STEM, an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shani Somara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years, and through my television work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned about these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And it's that off-air honesty that I'd like to share with you through silence. This week, my guest is a student in mechanical engineering and biomedical engineering. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think you're one of the youngest guests that I've had. I am 20, so maybe. And you're studying something that, you know, sounds very technical. And having come from an engineering background, I'm assuming it's as male-dominated as it was when I was studying. You know, it's gotten a little bit better, but not by that much. So in your class, for example, like how many guys are there to girls? You know, I think there's like published statistics by the university that say it's up to 40% female in the engineering school. That's great. Wow. Yeah, which is incredible. I remember when I was applying to colleges, the national average was 18 percent yeah um and that was you know like four years ago so things are on the rise but it also depends a lot on what field you're in i've noticed there's a lot more women in my biomedical engineering classes than in the mechanical engineering classes yeah and how are you finding it i like it a lot it's you know it's tough but i think it's all really cool and what got you into it take me back to when you were a little girl was it really obvious that you would be an engineer of some sort (laughs) Well, really, when I was very little, I wanted to be a ballerina. Um, I can't dance. So that was that had to be scrapped pretty quickly. But I don't think that it was ever really obvious to me. I think it was more obvious to the people around me. What were the signs? I was, I was just good at math. I remember my fourth grade teacher, if you got all the questions right on your math homework, you didn't have to do it the next day. So for the entire year, I had a running streak of only having homework every other day. But I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be an editor at some point. I was then, I'm like, I'm going to be a doctor. And I had no idea. And so when it came time, I was probably coming into high school. Someone sat me down and was like, if you're going to apply to college, you probably need to pick something to study. And this came as a surprise to me, which is um, kind of stupid. It's not an obvious choice for a woman to go into mechanical and biomedical. Like, what were the factors that convinced you? I was always good at science. I was good at math. I didn't like chemistry. Um, And I remember pretty clearly thinking about, like, I like to take stuff apart. I like to make things. I like to mess with things. And I think that people are cool. I think that bones are super interesting. I always, this is ridiculous, but I never broke any bones as a kid. And I remember kind of wanting to so I could see x-rays. And so kind of combining all of that and realizing, oh, wait, engineering lets you take things apart and look at things critically and even look at things that you wouldn't expect to be to be able to analyze like a machine, you can analyze like a machine. You know, you take classes in biomechanics and all of a sudden you're modeling like the movement of someone's legs while they're running. And that's something that I always thought was really cool. And it's been really great to be able to, you know, 
sort of get started doing it. Yeah, I mean, as you were describing, you know, the ballet and the mechanical engineering, I was like, wow, I'm meeting my doppelganger here. Because <laughs> I had the, say, I, the same kind of um, dilemmas. Um, but I must say, I'm very envious that you you have gone into biomedical. It just seems like such a, you know, to be able to apply mechanical engineering to the human body just seems mm-hmm. so much more of service to humanity or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's exciting. I've gotten the chance to work um, alongside a couple teams in hospitals where they are designing basically patient-specific joint implants. So if you have, you know, a dwarfism condition or something like that, and you're having some sort of osteoporosis situation, and you need to get your hip replaced or your shoulder replaced, the -the off-the-shelf components aren't going to do that. So you have to get a mechanical engineer with a knowledge of the human body to be able to design something that really impacts a person's life. And so that's, you know, kind of the goal is to be able to use engineering to actually actively help people. Do you have a plan for the future? My plan as of now is to keep trying things and see what sticks. But I am picking up a, I say picking up a master's degree like it's not a big deal. (laughs) But I'm going to have a master's in mechanical engineering um, by the time I... I'm graduating and then I'm graduating again. So with that set up, I think I'd like to sort of go into orthopedic design field. I'm not sure. I'll have to get back to you on that in five years when I figure myself out. Yeah, you're right in the thick of it. Yeah. So it sounds like you were very strong in maths and are very strong in maths. Um, But have you ever had any kind of um, self-doubt? Yes, 100%. What's that been like? The part of mechanical engineering that no one ever tells you is relevant until you're in school for it is things like thermodynamics and fluid mechanics and all the stuff that, you know, you don't think of when you're thinking about building cars. Um, And I remember taking my thermodynamics final and being convinced that I had failed it and couldn't be an engineer and all of this was the wrong choice. And I walked out of that test and got on the phone with my mom. And I was, you know, like panicking, like, what am I doing here? This is too much. I don't, you know, what's Carnot systems? Like what? Yeah, Carnot cycles. <laughs> oh, the worst. Uh, <laughs> and so sometimes when you're hit by like classes and things you don't quite expect, it's hard to be able to adapt to that. Um, I think most of the people I know, most, well, most, a lot of the women I know in mechanical engineering at school have had those moments like, am I in the right major? Should I be doing something totally different? That's what's nice to have like a support system of people who've had that same thought and can be like, no, you're good. Just keep it up. Of that struggle, how much was influenced by the fact that you're a woman? Um, I think that not a lot of the guys in my program have similar issues all the time um, just because of the way, you know, society is like men are allowed to do this. Men are allowed to be bad at this and still be successful in a way. Um, I think there's a lot of like societal conditioning to be apologetic and be, you know, ready to take the blame for things. And so there's a difference between, you know, if you actually mess something up, you need to be like, oh, I'm sorry, this is totally my fault, versus something went slightly wrong and you're convinced it's, you know, the only thing that ever mattered. Um, So I think less of that is about feeling out of place, and more of that is about kind of how you're raised which is you know no fault of the people who raised me they're great but then there's also some of it which is sitting in a classroom looking around and just not seeing people who look like you my high school ap physics class was i think 25 people probably three girls and it just is you know that key that those experiences keep kind of building up and it's when you were initially telling me about the the gender balance 
on your course, it seems to have improved. But the dynamic between men and women in the classroom doesn't seem to have changed. So tell me more about the kind of what it is like being a minority or being female in the classroom. Like, what have you had to deal with? A lot of my friends and I have this just running thing about engineering boys. And that just being that when you're in a group project and you're not, a, you know, you don't get to pick your group, you will always end up with one or two engineering boys who won't do the work and who will expect you to be able to carry the group. And because, you know, you want to do well in this class, you want to do well in this project. And so they know that if they slack off, you'll pick up the weight. So is that because you're female or just because they're relying on other people in the group? I've seen it happen most to women. Um, it could just be sometimes these guys aren't super nice or good people. I'm really trying to get to the bottom of whether it's harder being a woman in those kind of STEM fields or whether we're just making it up. (laughs) I hope not. I think that if it's happened to this many of us and we can sit down and have a conversation about it and have, you know, things in common, it can't be all entirely made up. We get talked over, we get not ignored, but sometimes not appreciated for all the work that we do. I think, yeah, it took me three years of being in engineering school to have a female professor in mechanical engineering, actually in engineering ever. And so when you don't have role models and you don't have people who are really taking you seriously, it's demoralizing. Were you trying to uh, be mentored by someone female? I would have, I would have loved to have been. Um, I think what it came down to was I was, you know, like some, a lot of times an engineering curriculum is pretty strict. You don't have a lot of flexibility in the classes that you take. So I was just taking you know, I was taking the class I needed to take and I got through freshman year and it was all, you know, old men. And I got through sophomore year and it was all old men. And finally my junior fall, our design professor was like a young woman. And I remember walking into that classroom and like looking over at my friends and going, has this happened before? And it hadn't. And I'm sure a lot of that is because, no, I'm not sure what a lot of that is because um, I remember I went and looked up the gender balance in our faculty and it was laughable how few women they have hired as tenured professors or as professors at all. Do you think that's just because there aren't female engineers around? They just don't exist? They definitely exist. Or at least more of them are starting to exist. More of them who are my age exist. Like a lot of our professors are men because they're old and there weren't a lot of women graduating when they graduated. I mean, once you get taught a class by like a 70-year-old man, you kind of figure out what's going on there. I think there could be more of an effort from universities to reach out and find a more diverse teaching staff because women engineers definitely exist. Mm. I've I've even seen some. Yeah, I feel like sometimes we're driven out. Yeah, people leave. Yeah, why why do people leave in your opinion? I don't have, you know, the most experience in industry. I'm working for the first time at a big corporate internship right now, and I don't know how long I would be able to stick around in this particular environment. I'm currently working on a team of near 40 people. And including myself, the intern, three of them are women. And what does that actually feel like? It it sucks a little bit. Um, It's hard to speak up in meetings. I'm worried people aren't going to take me seriously. Um, And then not to mention the little things like a lot of engineering guys wear, you know, jeans or, you know, khakis and polo shirts to work. And I find that I have to take it, you know, up a step. There isn't really a female equivalent of khakis and a polo shirt other than wearing your own polo shirt. But you kind of have to present dressed more nicely than they do to be taken the same amount of serious. Wow. Um, yeah. 
there's also, we have, um, because there's a manufacturing plant in the building, we have to wear safety shoes to work every day, which is mm-hmm. like steel-toed shoes. And that's fine. Except for when I went to the store to try and buy safety shoes, I was confronted by, I think, a grand total of three different pairs of women's shoes. So those are real ugly when I'm wearing on my feet all the time. That doesn't feel super great either. So, I mean, are you not put off? Like, what keeps you going? I want to be able to help people. And I know that, you know, I've tried this internship in a huge corporate situation. That's probably not what's going to work for me. The goal is to be able to work somewhere that's full of people that are like you. And for a lot of the guys in my school, that's an easy situation to find. It's a little bit tougher when you're, you know, a bisexual Jewish girl. You said that there are very few role models, but who inspired you to go into this? Probably a lot from my parents, even though neither of them is really an engineer at all. Um, My dad majored in social psychology and now is now like developed software. So he took a totally different turn, but he was always you know, encouraging me to learn more about technology, to learn about coding when I was like 12 and had no idea what computers even did. My mom is just a very encouraging, kind of occasionally tough love, but very positive person. Mm. And having people there to be like, no, you can definitely actually do this is what it takes. Um, It's sometimes hard to find people to be role models in the field you're looking at. So it was nice to be able to, you know, like kind of extrapolate those experiences. So it's less kind of inspiration and it's more support, it sounds like. Yeah. I think having a support structure is really important. Mm, Yeah. Whether that's your friends, your family, you know, just like maybe one really nice professor who's just encouraging. How did you get through, and maybe you're going through it, um, the fact that a lot of people don't get what you're doing? You know, there aren't too many women. There are no women like you doing, studying what you're studying. I know support networks are really important, but how have you got through those times when no one actually understands what you're going through because very few women are going through the same thing as you? It can be a little bit frustrating. It can be, you know, the kind of thing that's like coming home and explaining what you've been working on in the semester and just you kind of get blank stares because no one, you know, what do these words mean? And also, why are you doing it? Um, Which... You know, feral. Sometimes my classes have ridiculous names, but that's, I mean, it's kind of ends up being the same thing. If you have people that you can talk to and just be like, man, that was super rough. Like, did you hear what my, you know, so-and-so, whoever said about this? Um, And then it takes sometimes having a lot of patience to explain it. Yeah. I have been known to, sometimes when you like, take an uber home from something and they ask this is this has been this has really happened to me your chance to actually talk (laughs) yes yeah tell someone something Um, um but sometimes the driver would ask like oh what do you do and i'm like i'm a college student and they're like what are you studying and sometimes i say oh i'm actually studying engineering um and sometimes i say i'm an english major oh my god just because it's easier yeah um so that's that's on me that's not a great habit to be into I mean, wouldn't you want to impress people with your technical knowledge? Sometimes, but sometimes you're never going to see them again. And the effort to explain, oh, yeah, actually, it's, you say it's really impressive. Thank you. I'm, I'm hoping it'll sound less impressive in the future um, when that's a normal thing for girls for, to be doing. You know, like it's the kind of thing that shouldn't be super impressive, but it has to be at this point. Um, so, so sometimes it's just easier. A lot of 
the foundation for getting into engineering has to happen in middle school and high school. And in middle school, not a lot of people are really exposed to math and science beyond like, I know we did a class where we grew plants and talked about plant life, you know, cycles and all of that. But sometimes boys get presents that are robot kits and early chemistry kits and they get to play around and make paper mache volcanoes. And a lot of times girls aren't exposed to the same things. And then in high school, when you get to start picking classes, um, so much of high school is being with your friends and trying to fit in and making, you know, high school's being a teenager is a mess. And so when your friends aren't taking classes like AP Chemistry and AP Physics because maybe they're super interested in English and, you know, that's great. But even if you got those early science kits, then your friends didn't. It's easier to follow your friends into what they're working on. It's a lot of factors that add up. Mm, yeah. I mean, I guess it could be summarized as just feeling like you don't really fit in with the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be looked at funny. You don't want to, you know. Be the odd one out. Yeah. Luckily, I, when I said there were three girls in my AP physics class, luckily there were three girls in my AP physics class and I wasn't the mm. only one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, girls have been known to drop out if they are the only one because right. they just don't want that kind of pressure. You don't want the attention sometimes. You don't want the pressure. It's It can be really stressful. Yeah. And it's already a tough subject. Yeah, that doesn't help either. That it's not exactly easy. Although maybe not for you, because you sound like you're you're a natural. Oh, I don't know. I mean, how have you dealt with the um, the actual difficulties of the studying itself? High school was very easy for me in the way that you were just talking about. Um, so I never really developed like good studying habits. And here's how you should actually study for tests. I just kind of did it, and it worked out fine. I was very lucky in that way, but. When I got to college, I realized that I needed to actually, you know, focus and work hard on things like that. Um, and so that was kind of a shock to the system. But it's a lot of setting out time for, for like, this is when I'm going to study, you know, thermo. This is when I'm going to study statics. This is when I'm going to make sure that I understand what's on this test coming up um, and being able to prioritize. I had a week um, in my sophomore year where I had three exams in three classes that I was struggling in all in one week and I walked away from those with I think C's on all three tests and I realized like okay if I'd focused on one of them instead of trying to focus on all three at once that might have gone a little better. Studying is all-consuming. I just feel like students today have it tough compared to my day. I don't want to age myself here but things seem a lot harder and like, there seems to be no room for actually kind of appreciating what you're studying, because I don't know whether you've got to this stage yet, but there was a time in my engineering degrees where I just thought it was so beautiful, like the mathematical algorithms and, you know, it, it, I could actually just appreciate the beauty of what I was studying, but not at school. I mean, maybe by doing this internship that you're in at the moment, like maybe you're getting an appreciation of how your studies does relate to real life. I don't know about this internship, um, just for reasons that are totally circumstantial but in the past being able to work on things you know being able to work on real projects has always been the way of like recognizing what we're working on um it is really easy to lose yourself in i need to finish this problem set and i have this exam tomorrow and there's not time to think about why i'm doing anything there's just time to think about what i'm doing do you ever think about your future like do you have like a rough plan of where your career is going yes and no in that you know i sure i thought about it long enough to realize that i wanted to get a master's degree um that I want to probably work in some sort of hospital setting. But beyond that, what that position holds, what my actual life will look like, I'm not sure. And how does kind of the other aspects of being a woman fit into that? Because, you know, 
setting up our careers is one thing, but what about other things like maybe having a family one day or social life and, you know, those kind of aspects? Yeah, I think a lot of that I've had to kind of put by the wayside in the past. Um, I have friends who are talking about, you know, I've been thinking about my wedding since I was, you know, like the kid and, you know, that's, that's not me as a person, but that's also something that I don't really have time to like I think totally about. Yeah. Um, so I spend a lot of time yeah, doing math instead of thinking about, oh my gosh, am I going to have like this big fancy dress at this wedding? Or like, am I going to start a family by the time I'm like 35? Who knows? Um, what kind of freaks me out is that my mother has gotten into the habit of when she sees me asking if I'm going to have, if, if I'm going to quote, give her grandkids. Yeah. Um, and the first time I heard that, I was like, am I, I like, I realized like, I guess I'm at a point in my life where that's something I should sort of be thinking about even in the back of my mind. And it's something that I never even kind of gave a second thought to because I'm, you know, I was so busy in high school trying to get into college and college trying to do well and set myself up for like internships and grad school and just continuing from there. I'm going to be, you know, trying to get a job set up and then trying to get settled in a new place and, you know, dealing with whatever job that holds. And it feels like it's not something I'm going to be able to think about for a long time. And that's not great. That's not great. Right. So it's interesting that you acknowledge it's not great, but it's also interesting that you're like, ah, Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. So it's the kind of rough plan just, just to kind of think about it when you feel like you need to. Yeah. yeah, figure it out as I go, which is not the kind of way I like to do anything. So that should be a warning sign. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it's so fascinating to be able to talk to someone who's at the stage in her career of where you're at, because, you know, for this podcast, I've talked to women who are older than you and, you know, they've, they're just further down the line and it's amazing how perspectives change, you know, and listening to you just takes me right back to when I was your age and I, I have the exact same attitude. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it really is fascinating to me how, um, you know, generations are coming through. It sounds yeah. like more and more mm-hmm. women are going into engineering, even though the numbers are increasing very slowly, but yet the pressure is still the same on us. Oh my God. Yes. Um, have you, ever experienced competition from women 100 percent um what's that been like in high school i had a friend i'm not i'm to this day not sure whether we were friends but she was one of the other girls who was in the ap physics class with me we took ap chem together and because of the way my high school was structured we had all the same gym classes and most of the same like english classes just because we were taking those specialized courses and ever, because I went to, I was in a very small school district, so I went to school with the same people from kindergarten through 12th grade. And I remember even in sixth grade, we had a big project and I turned mine in and I got a 98%. And I said, what did you get on your project? And she said, I got a 99. Mm. And that would continue literally through all of high school up until the day we graduated. She ended up as valedictorian of our class. I think I was third in the class, but no one ever officially said that. So I can't really put that one on the record, but you don't know. You don't know. But that was a combination of very frustrating and kind of a motivating factor in a kind of horrible way. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I so know what you mean. I feel like we're twins from different generations because I also had a friend who, like, we just were always in competition, but it it made us better people. Yeah. But there's, you know, there was some of it was like, oh, I have to, like, I want to see if I can do this, you know, which one of us is going to do this better. How can I, like 
improve myself, you know, and kind of using someone else as a metric is that that's fine. But sometimes looking at, I remember very clearly being like, I hope we're not applying to any of the same colleges because she's going to get in and I'm not. They're only going to take one girl from this school, which she ended up going into like chemistry and physics and like life sciences where I went for actual engineering. So it never became an actual issue, but I was worried about that. Yeah. I mean, would that competition exist if there were more places for women? So it's like, it's competition for people imagine those selective spots are, right? Because if there's only going to be three women on this engineering team, there's only going to be three women and you want to be one of them. So if you see another woman who's really good at what she does and what she does is similar to what you do, you feel like you're in competition for the same jobs. I don't think so. Or, I mean, I'm sure some of it would because a lot of us are naturally competitive people and that's fine. Um, but it wouldn't be like they're only taking one X. You know, it's not like they're only taking one mechanical engineer. Is they're taking three mechanical engineers, but odds are only one of them is going to be a woman. Mm, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, do you think there are disadvantages to being female in STEM subjects? I mean, you know, once a month, we tend to get a little bit cranky. <laughs> like, do you feel noticeable differences of being female in STEM? I don't think so. You know, I hope not. But I think it's, to me, I think it's valuable to bring, to bring the kind of different mindset that comes with being a woman to these fields, the kind of more empathetic, less... It can be less cold, um, but at the same time, I think a lot of people would view that as a disadvantage in a field where everything is numbers and everything is statistics. And, you know, if the numbers don't work out, what's the point of continuing this? Um, mm, yeah. But I think people could definitely view that as a disadvantage, depending on, you know, what your viewpoint is. Do you think an empathetic approach is needed in something like mechanical engineering or biomedical? I think definitely, because... You know, whatever you're working on, the end result is that a person is going to use this. And if it's, you know, perfectly engineered, but also like working with it sucks and it's not a, a, a like an empathetic, you know, it's not a good experience, no one's going to want to engage with it. And at the same time, if you're, especially in biomedical engineering, if you're designing something for a person and whatever it is, the cost analysis works out and it's too expensive to go through with, or the engineering is hard and complicated and no one wants to work on it. Someone needs to be there to say, actually, no, we need to do this. This is important work. And a lot of times you get a lot of men are like, the important work is, you know, scientific breakthroughs. And sometimes you have to step back and be like, the important work is also the work that helps people. Even if it's not super exciting, even if it's not, you know, the first person to ever do this. Yeah, it seems like the most beneficial or the optimal situation would be to have a balance of those kinds of perspectives. You know, neither yeah, yeah, of, neither of them are better than the other, but the, the, the union of those different perspectives seems to be what makes projects um, their best. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I know that you haven't had that much experience of industry, but um, even just academically, how can we encourage more girls to get into fields like yours or ours? I actually had the chance to be um, to help volunteer with the program that the company I'm working at for now runs. They invited a pretty big group of middle school girls who just came to our campus and just like had little sessions about talking about what's what's coding, what is you know what does an engineer do, what's additive manufacturing. Um, I had a really funny conversation with a girl, probably in sixth grade, where she had been like their schedule said where they were going. And, you know, one of the sessions in like the additive manufacturing facility 
And she looked at me and she said, I don't know why they put me in an additive. I'm really bad at math. And I had to explain to her that additive manufacturing isn't, you know, adding numbers together. It's like 3D printing. She was like, whoa, that's so cool. I had no idea. And so just even programs like that, just like for a day, expose these girls to what, you know, STEM fields are actually like. And it isn't just sitting in your classroom doing times tables. It can be 3D printing with metal. How cool is that? Um, things like the Girl Scouts. I remember when I was a Girl Scout, we did a lot of like weird little science experiments. Just exposure, even in the smallest amounts, just lets people know that like this is something you can do. So do you think that's more um, sort of letting girls get their hands dirty or to encourage girls into engineering? Or is it to encourage girls into STEM? Because physics, for example, is so much, it's so theoretical in comparison to engineering. I think at a young age, it's important to be able to get your hands dirty because even, right, physics is what powers all of this. And so, you know, let them think, okay, math, you know, whatever this is, they think, you know, someone said, this is math, this is science, that's awesome. And then let them, as they get older, kind of figure out what, you know, section of that they're interested in. There's also a lot of cool stuff where people have been putting an A into the STEM acronym and including arts in it and letting people do a lot of like cross-disciplinary, really cool art projects. Yeah. That's another thing that I think is, you know, great for little girls to be able to like, look at this cool, you know, painting I made, but I used a computer. And this is, you know, I made a little program that runs this little game. And just, I think exposure is really the key. Yeah. And allowing um, young people, not just girls, to really have fun with it. Because I think... Oh, yeah. Everyone. Because I think STEM tends to be very intimidating. (laughs) Yes. And people often think you've got to be super smart to be in science. But all the greatest scientists and engineers I know are just really relaxed about failing and experimenting and not having the answers. I mean, being in a challenging field, you are going to have experience with failure. You're going to mess something up. And that can be super helpful. That's a way to relax and be, you know, okay, this test really didn't work. How can we make a new one? What's your relationship with failure? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I really do. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> That's something I'm working on. But I try to see messing up as a, you know, less of a, I did one bad mistake and more of a something went wrong. What? No, I love it. I love it. Because honestly, I have not met any engineers that don't hate failure. And the most successful engineers I've ever met embrace failure. So, I mean, you know, there's a fundamental difference there. Right. And I said I hate it. And that's a pretty dumb answer. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess there's, you have to use it as a driving force rather than like a reflection on you. Because if you think I failed, that means you messed something up rather than this failed. And what can I do to fix it? Right. If you have to isolate that failure down to, you know, what part broke, what you know, what equation did I use that wasn't right? What's the situation here? I guess if you use it as a driving force rather than like a reflection on your work, that's probably a more healthy attitude. What's your life like? Like, are you just study, study, study? Or do you have time for hobbies? And I try not to just only study. Um, there are some weeks where I just only study. But I am part of a theater group on my campus. Um, so I do like theater tech. I do some like stage management stuff. Just something that's totally not engineering to kind of let me reset my brain. Um, I made a rule for myself when I got into college that every semester I was going to take one class that had no math in it. That's worked, I think, every semester but one. Um, Just kind of letting myself have a different place to focus. And a lot of the times when you stop thinking about, you know, why is this fluid mechanics problem not working and you start thinking about something else, your brain kind of stews on it and you can come up with a better answer by not paying attention. So yeah, I try to... I try to go out. I try to do things that I'm interested in beyond just engineering because I know that's what's healthier for me. I know people who pretty much do just study, 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 and their grades may be perfect, but 
going outside is important. Yeah. And how important is it to you to uh, be your whole female self? Like um, when I was studying engineering, I almost had to put my femininity aside because it was too distracting for the people I was studying around. Um, and I was a little bit embarrassed about being a girl. Like, do you get any sense of that or have times moved on? I hope it's moved on a little bit. Um, but for me personally, I never, I was never really into looking super feminine. I didn't, you know, I never really wore makeup. I don't wear like dresses or a lot of t-shirts and jeans because that is what I'm most comfortable in. So that's kind of where I'm at. I know some girls who will put on a full face of makeup and a dress and heels and go sit down in class. And I think that's awesome. Um, but for me, it's never something that I'm in engineering. engineering. They'll do it. And I love it. One of my roommates is another engineering student and she does not leave the house without lipstick on, without heels. She always looks put together. And I am so impressed all the time. Um, Cause I could, I could not do that. <laughs> but it's so awesome. Cause you sound really comfortable in your own skin. I try to be. Um, I just like, I like to be comfy is really what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm asking all interviewees this question. I kind of feel like it's a bit unfair maybe for you because you are so young, but anyway, we'll, I'll ask it anyway. Um, what does having it all mean to you? Hmm. Um, I wonder what's the difference between what does having it all for me right now and what's having it all for me in 15 years, because right now it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, it would be doing well in school, having a decent social life, being pretty satisfied with where you're at but I feel like the image of someone who quote-unquote has it all you know in 15 years for me and is an engineer is like someone who can manage to balance a healthy relationship with a job with a family with still having friends and doing social things and I think what I've just created is more than there are hours in the day you know it's a pretty impossible standard to live up to but that's what the you know the phrase makes me think of. It's a really interesting perspective and especially coming from you considering where you're at in your life. What advice would you give to anyone that's kind of curious about going into STEM subjects? I think my advice is that you don't have to take it as seriously as people seem to think you do. It's okay to totally mess up and to like goof around and to not do super well on an exam. A lot of the pressure when you're an engineering student, especially when you're a girl, is people look at you and they go, oh my gosh, you must be so smart. You know, how can you, how could you possibly be doing this? And the pressure is to live up to that and to have that 4.0 average and all these incredible projects. But it's you're okay. To, it's okay to have fun with it. It's okay to be interested in what you're working on. And if you're not interested, to start working on something else. Um, so I think of it a lot as a way to experiment and find out what you like. Because really, like mechanical engineering is such a broad field. And so is biomedical engineering. And they're both growing and changing by the day. And so everything you want to, you know, anything you want to work on is something you can probably work on. And it's about finding that thing you're really interested in. Yeah, and I think what you said about sort of finding what you like is actually a very wise thing to say because throughout our careers, we can take twists and turns that we never imagined we'd take. I mean, you may end up finding that you don't actually want to go into biomedical engineering after working in that field for a few years. Like, who knows? So is the driving factor then to always just be interested in what you're doing? I think so. Yeah, it's hard to push yourself to do things you don't want to do. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was studying, I really felt like all I cared about was just getting A's all the time. I, it wasn't relevant. Yeah, it feels like that sometimes. Yeah, and it, it just wasn't relevant to me to care about whether I was interested in it or not. I just knew I wanted to get those grades. And so what does being interested in something feel like? I think it's about being excited to work on something. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like a drag. It doesn't all... I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes problem sets suck. 
and doing homework sucks. And you have to, you know, you have to do it because that's what you have to do. But being able to get to a point where you see where things connect and you see that this mm, is interesting yeah. and that this work means something is what I think is probably pretty important. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. What would you want to hear from a podcast like this? That's a good question. I, th- I think probably what I'd want to hear is that engineering isn't all math. It isn't all sitting at a table doing numbers and being super bored to death forever. It can be a lot of working in teams and a lot of building things and creating things. Um, but I'd also want to talk about that there is such a solidarity between women in engineering and you know in school that I have this incredible group of friends who are all female engineers from chemical engineering to civil engineering and mechanical engineering and electrical engineering. And we'll just all hang out and do homework together. And having that space where you can like complain about, oh my gosh, I'm on my period today and it's the worst and I can't focus on this problem set. Or like even talk about like relationship drama at the same time as, you know, sitting there like, what's the circuit diagram? Having that space has been really, really helpful for me. And that's something that, you know, hopefully in the future will carry on, carry into the industry um, as people my age start getting into the industry and being able to do that. And knowing that there is, you know, for lack of a better term, a sisterhood that goes on um, in school, out of school, doing anything. And then also it's fun. Being a woman in STEM can be really fun and really rewarding. Even if sometimes there's like guys who don't think you belong there or there's, you know, you feel like you have to put in an extra level of work to be taken seriously. If you like what you do and this is what you like to do, then this is what you should be doing. Even if you're not, if you're like a college student now and you're like studying, you know, whatever, studying history, you're studying gender studies, like that's awesome, rock on, that's super great. Take a math class. Even if you think that that's something you're never going to need, take an intro engineering course, take physics class, take chem. It's anything that you, you know, are interested in as something that's a different perspective from where you are. It's worth looking at. Also, they make engineers take history classes, so, you know, it has to go both ways. <laughs> yeah, make somebody else suffer. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you've got some hindsight now. Like, is there anything you would say to um, young people where you would like, just make sure that you don't do this and that, you know? I like to try to keep a positive attitude. Um, sometimes that's really hard, um, especially with a lot of the things I was describing with, you know, guys putting off the work and people not taking you quite as seriously as you want to be taken. And I think if I could, if I could change something, I would spend a little bit less time being mad at them for that and a little bit more time trying to, you know, understand where that's coming from, but also understand that in sometimes being the worst, they're giving us the, you know, the gift of like, okay, these guys are being the worst, but I'm learning how to work with people who are sometimes the worst. I'm getting the experience of, you know, dealing with that. Um, Because there's, you know, there's more engineering school than like doing work. There's talking to people. Actually, that's a really good point because we haven't really delved into that. Like how much are you learning about um, managing yourself in the workplace from your internship? Oh my gosh, so much. So this internship has been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I'm only about halfway through it, but I'm working for a huge corporation. And they the way they assign interns to jobs is they hire us with just the description mechanical engineering intern. Don't really tell you what you're going to be working on until a couple months after you're hired. So you have to commit to the job before you know what the project is. And so I ended up walking into an internship position where my manager didn't really have a plan for what to do with me. And I spent a lot of the first couple weeks of that internship 
just sitting in a cubicle, not doing anything. And so that was really new for me because I've been, you know, incredibly busy over the last three years being an engineering student. Um, and so what I've had to do is I, you know, after getting a lot of advice from my mom and people who I know are like, you know, professionals who I trust, um, I ended up having to do a lot of advocating for myself where I talked to my manager's manager. I talked to my, you know, the internship program coordinator, and then I didn't get a result from that. So I talked to the manager's manager again, and then back to the internship coordinator and having the wherewithal to stick up for yourself like that and advocate for yourself is something that's, I think, really hard as a woman, because a lot of times it's like, you know, it's that same kind of self-deprecating attitude that a lot of women in the field get, which is, you know, this job isn't great, but I'm lucky to have a position here in the first place, so I shouldn't complain about it. Um, and so I spent, you know, two weeks not complaining about it. And those two weeks were not fun and they weren't beneficial to me. They weren't beneficial to the company because I wasn't doing any work for them. Um, I was just, you know, sitting in a cubicle, which <laughs> I think we should get rid of cubicles. But that's another story entirely. Um, but just having, you know, they don't do a lot of teaching engineers how to talk to people. They'll have you take like one or two public speaking courses just to kind of say they did it. Um, and so a lot of times for men being assertive is a little bit easier. It comes as part of the territory as growing up as a man, as you know how to stick up for yourself like that. Um, women, a lot of the times don't get that same experience. And so I think keeping an eye out for places where you need to speak up for yourself is something that's really important for women in STEM, or else you end up having to do, you know, the work no one else wants to do because you're the one who didn't say no to it. Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's one thing getting an education, an academic education, and then it's an entirely different other thing to actually learn how to carry yourself in life. I mean, it's almost like there's IQ and EQ. Um, what have you learned in the EQ department? as a result of kind of doing your internships and basically not being in academia? Part of it, like a lot of people talk about EQ is like being able to read people and, you know, figure out what the moods of other people in the room are. And I think sometimes what I've learned from this is doing a little bit less of that and a little bit more of, okay, but what am I feeling? And what do I need to take care of right now? And why am I, you know, standing here figuring this out? So paying attention to yourself as well as other people is really important. But yeah, at the same time, there's a lot of different characters at this job. Um, and working with people who are just really operate differently to you. And sometimes old school male mechanical engineers have been working at the same job for 35 years back when there weren't any women. And they see you, you know, this like 20 year old kid coming in, like only woman in the room. And you have to learn how to be able to stick up for yourself. And I think that's really important. So is it just sticking up for yourself that um, is required outside of academia? I mean that and also, you know, being able to give a presentation, being able to people take women a lot less seriously if they use a lot of likes and ums in their sentences. Um, see me doing it all the time. <laughs> so that's something that I try to focus on is you have to be really careful about the way you present yourself. You know, I was talking about you have to dress nicely. You have to people sometimes think it's weird for a woman to come to work not wearing makeup. You have to kind of, you know, conform to that expectation to be taken as seriously. So sometimes it's all kind of a mess. Yeah, I think we certainly have to learn a lot more than just the engineering to be in engineering. Um, and it's very much about how we carry ourselves um, personally. Uh, and you're right, it is messy and it's not straightforward. But um, 
I guess to really carve out a career in something that you're passionate about, it's really necessary if you're going to, you know, be successful. That's what I struggle with the most is being able to, you know, stick up for myself and be able to advocate in the places I know no one else is going to, because I'm a lot of the time still in the mindset, like, well, at least I'm here. And sometimes you have to, like, that's not enough. Just being there isn't always enough. Yeah. And I also have this kind of like attitude of like, how can I stick up for myself? And I don't actually 100% believe that I'm good enough. So there was that. Yes. A hundred. Yeah. The imposter syndrome thing, which is just like, yes, they hired me. And yes, they said that I'm good enough to be here. But am I really? I'm not sure. You know, look what that guy's doing. That's so impressive. I'm not doing anything. And then being having to be like, but I deserve to be here. And having to, you know, get that through your brain can be really hard. Do you have any special strategies for getting it through to your brain? No idea. (laughs) That's, yeah. Other than just kind of reminding yourself that you, you know, you got hired or you got accepted into this program or whatever it was for the same reason that the guy sitting next to you did. And that it was actually, it was even harder for you to get that position. Um, so that means you're doing even better. Yeah, it's it's not easy. Um, but like from the sounds of what you're doing, it really does sound worthwhile. I think it's awesome that you're you're um, soldiering on. And I, I'm also really excited for you because it sounds like you've got a really strong support system around you who believe in you, even if they don't quite know what they're doing. Oh, it's just been so amazing talking to you. I feel like I have been transported back to when I was your age and, and just reliving kind of um, the wide open choices you have for your career. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's just been incredible hearing your experiences. And I must say your passion for the field that you're in is really infectious. I mean, it's totally inspiring to know that despite the fact that you know you go through some challenges being a woman in STEM and being in that minority, your pure enthusiasm and genuine interest in what you're studying um, seems to be propelling you through it. You're a real sort of, uh, you're a real role model. Oh, thank you. You know, you say that there are very, very few of them in the industry. You're one of them. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. That's it from our STEM guests this week. Thank you so much for listening. And if you did enjoy the show, please do subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Catch you next week on Silence.